Welcome back to the Sip and Feast podcast. Today is episode 26. And what is episode 26 about, Tara? Today's episode is in response to a question that a listener sent us. And it was such a good question that we felt instead of answering it at the end of an episode, let's just take the entire episode to do it. The question is regards to a holiday dinner party menu. And I'll read the exact question. It came from Jan. Jan's in the UK. She said, every year around the second Saturday in December, we have a group of friends over for a three-course meal. And I need to be able to prepare the main course, ideally the day before. Any suggestions? So I thought that's a great question, especially for this time of year when Many of us are making merry and having parties, small or large, leading up to, you know, the big day, Christmas. Um, so I figured let's let's spend an entire episode to really talk through this. Yeah, I think this is a great topic. Uh, we get questions like this a lot. Before we get into it, I just want to point out a couple things. Number one, this is a new sweater that I have. Hey, you shouldn't laugh. You got it for me. And what do I have on my finger right now? Oh, my God. What is that? That's a wedding ring. That's right. I don't have mine on. You should have told me. So wear it. there are a couple things we get asked a lot about. This one is on that list. It's not as high as the burner, that question in the cookbook, but it's pretty high. They're always like, where are your wedding rings? Ooh, maybe mm -hmm. they're not married. I assure you, Tara is not an actress. She is my wife, and that proves it. Second thing before we get started, Tara, we upload, today is Monday when we're filming. We also upload on Monday. So think of it as we try to stay current. We don't really film these too much ahead. We film it on the Monday. And then it gets posted the following Monday. So the one I uploaded today, which was episode 25, that was about... The best gifts to give the food lover slash home cook in yeah. your life. Yeah. So that was an awesome one. It had like the meat masher, the cutting board, and all the pics we did. But in that one, Tara had a hat on and a life vest, life preserver vest. And many people were already <laughs> said that they really liked that look. And I got to say, I liked it too. I think it looked really good. Well, that's good. I'm glad you do because you know I wear that vest slash life preserver. You sound like you're from 1955. And, <laughs> oh, back uh, to the future, yeah. Back to the future. <laughs> no, that's a vest that I've like basically live in in the fall and early winter. And somebody did ask for a link. Unfortunately, I don't have one. I bought that vest at H&M when we were living in Minnesota, I think back in 2016. So- it's got some miles on it, to say the least. Um, I don't have a link, but it is it was very reasonably priced. Well, I think it looked really good on you. Thank and you. I know you were wearing the hat. And yes, I've since yeah. had my <laughs> my hair colored. Brand new again. Yes. I'm not there yet. I actually debated with my beard because it's grow going white now, but I would have had to do it ahead of time a few years ago the shoe polish or whatnot. Now, if I come, shoe now if I appear in a video with a black beard, people are going to be like, what yeah. the heck happened to you, Jim? They're going to think I'm on HGH or something like that. It's funny how quickly it happened for you too, because I'll sometimes look at 
older videos of you from when you first started YouTube. And that was really in, you know, 2019. Yeah, four years so. ago. And you had no gray. I know. At all. So it happened rather quickly. I think YouTube grayed me. It you probably know they, did. You know how it's like when you become the president that's of right. the United States. It's on the same level. Hundred <laughs> percent yeah. the same level. <laughs> all right. I digress. Let's get into today's topic. So, Jim, what I did ahead of this, because I did want to get respond to Jan's email, which I I did. But I, what I wanted to do was I wanted to come up with a few different menu options. So uh, I settled on doing a an Italian-inspired one, obviously, because most of our food is Italian, Italian-American. I also wanted to give a French-inspired option. And then last, I did an American-inspired so that Jan could have a few to choose from and that so that our listeners could also have a few to choose from. And, you know, don't feel like if you're going to plan a dinner party, don't feel like you have to stick to a theme like this. You can certainly mix and match you can do a more american style yeah you can mix and match and these together like that's you can what do, i'm saying yeah one italian one french that's what i'm saying yeah. yeah you can mix and match don't feel like you have to do all french or all italian if, if you've been watching now you will notice that we are doing more french recipes and some uh i guess european recipes that's where i think it's the easiest uh, place for us to go to without, you know, getting in trouble, you know, on, mm -hmm. uh, for like cultural appropriation and stuff like that. Though, if we ever do uh, say like a Filipino recipe or what, what else is like a big top uh, there are target? A lot of Mexican. There's a lot of Vietnamese recipes. Yeah, Vietnamese. Too. If we ever do stuff like that, it will be 100% say Filipino uh, inspired, you know, Mexican inspired. It I will not be saying it will not make a claim that it's an authentic recipe right and i think it wouldn't hurt you know to maybe just check like i have a filipino friend i could always just yeah. ask her what do you think of this is this i find you get into trouble legit? when you do that though because a lot of times especially depending on how long they've been in america remember like you get all the complaints all the time there's no larger group of italian <laughs> people in the world outside of Italy than in than in America, actually in New York and New Jersey, yet they get more hate for the food they make. I, I, part of that's because it's Sicilian food and Southern Italian, which that's that's another thing. But yeah, I, I think you get in a little trouble if you just go off of someone who's, you know, say 100% Filipino, if they've been living here for a long time. Yeah. They might not know either. See your point. No, I think it is yeah. better to just say it's inspired by this. Yeah, and, that, that's and just what we'll like do. I'm, I'm calling these menus French inspired, Italian inspired, and American inspired well, because it doesn't matter. they're not 100. Yeah, you know, authentic. The other thing that I do want to add, I did some research here, and I am going to suggest some wine pairings. Nice. Now, I'm going to full disclosure here. I'm not a sommelier, so. You know, I have a friend is, who's a sommelier. He works for a Wine Spectator yes, magazine. Yes, you did share that with me. Yeah. So he was not consulted for this. I did my research and, and checked different websites and, and tried my best to come up with um, wine pairings that I think would be good for some of these recipes and also suggest some, some cocktail pairings for maybe before or, you know, at the end of the, at the, end of the night. Um, one thing I am interested in doing jim i know i mentioned it to you but curious to see what our listeners would think there is an online sommelier class that i'm interested 
and taking. Now, the irony here is that I don't, I don't drink anymore. Yeah, so it would tough. be it would be a lot of tasting and not a lot of swallowing. <laughs> I think you got to kind of be you got to it's hard to take someone's word for it if they're not a drinker. But I I know what it's like to drink wine. I do enjoy wine and I used to drink yeah. wine, not that much, but at this point I would really like to learn all the different nuances of the different regions so that I can maybe help our listeners, our readers, our viewers, our followers, etc with some of the questions that they have, because we do get questions from time to time. And I think we get a lot of questions because we cook with, a, I cook with a lot of wine in all mm-hmm. the videos. So naturally questions will will fall from there. I, yeah. I think it's a good idea. Yeah, so I'm, that's something I'm thinking of doing. That's, I'm gonna put that on my list of maybe a goal for 2024. And it is online. I think the cor- the class you have to take is a virtual proctored exam, which I've never heard about before. You actually have to like turn your camera on and you have to install a Guardian app onto yeah. your computer so that they can monitor what you're doing. The computer has to be on so they could see you're not getting up to cheat or anything like that. But I thought that that would be something interesting. So perhaps that might be coming and I'll be a little bit more of an expert and be able to speak about these things with a little more authority. Not bad. But that's just my disclosure, but you know, ahead of the recommendations that I'm going to suggest. All right, well, let's get into number one. Menus. So I thought we'd start with the French-inspired menu. Nice. Okay, and add anything yeah. to this. I mean, this is these are my thoughts. An appetizer for the French-inspired menu would be tomato confit. Nice. With crusty bread. So everything here is make-ahead, which is great. Oh, Exactly. That's the whole point. Well, Part you, of Jan's, you did mention it, but yeah. yeah, let's 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 make sure we really let people yeah. know there's a method to this madness here. That's true. So part of Jan's question was that she wants to be able to make it ahead, which absolutely makes sense. If you are able to make things ahead of time with very minimal prep when your guests are there, you're going to just be a better host or hostess in general. You'll be able to be more thoughtful about welcoming your guests, making sure everybody's got a drink. Yeah. Definitely make ahead is key. My biggest problem with cooking in general, when we would have guests over, whether it's family members or friends, is that I would always try to do too much. And I would let my need for perfection in my food override talking to the guests. Mm-hmm. And again, you don't really see that that person too much in the YouTube videos because I come off as maybe more nonchalant and being like, you can do this, you can do that. But Tara knows kind of the real gym, and I'm a very much a perfectionist with the food, and I would want it always to be perfect. That actually goes back to previous episode when we were talking about how you have to have sternos mm-hmm. to have hot food. So I think a lot of these make-ahead dishes are just really great to deal with if you are that person like me who is a perfectionist and you will not settle for 75% of a hundred, what a hundred percent could be of a perfect dish. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. And I think that this meal, I know you mentioned sternos. I think what I kind of was picturing was something a little bit more formal. To me, sternos are kind of informal where you're having like a bunch of family members over. A dinner party to me, it sounds a little bit more intimate, 
I'm imagining that Jan and her friends are maybe sitting around a dining room table as like a formal sit down dinner, not necessarily. But nothing stops Jan or anybody who's doing this from, especially this is all dependent contingent on the amount of people that you're having. Mm -hmm. If you're having 20 people for a dinner party, then I really think you're going to need those sternos. And then you can still have all the food there. And then mm -hmm. maybe you hire help, like one person who you can hire for the night. And they can do kind of like the wait waitering service where they'll prepare, they'll plate everything, bring it That's all out true. so it'll be hot. But yeah. really, this is going to depend on how many people you have. If you have eight people, six people, there's no reason why you can't do it without the sternos. Mm -hmm. Keep warm plates. That works really well. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So let's get into the food. Okay. So besides the tomato confit. So, but that's the that's the first yeah. one. I don't know. If, yeah. So I'll explain. I'm, yeah. If yeah. you want to mention, I'll, I'm going to say what I think the the first course, the appetizer. I have tomato confit with crusty bread, a selection of cheeses. If you want to stick to the French theme, you could perhaps select some some French cheeses, fresh grapes, and then the other thing that you could do, which is a I think a classic French thing is the um, slices of baguette topped with salted butter, ultra thin sliced radishes, yeah, and then sea salt and maybe a little fresh herbs. That all sounds great. All of those are self-explanatory for you, maybe except for the confit. Right. That means cooked in fat. Like traditionally when you think of confit, you always think of duck confit. Mm-hmm which is duck cooked in duck fat. And that's a traditional thing that you will always be served at a French restaurant. It's delicious. Tomato confit is just combining garlic, tomatoes, I like cherry tomatoes, and thyme cooked in olive oil until they get soft and almost like a spread. The garlic gets more mellow and it gets so delicious where if you see like garlic confit, you can have, you you can use like 300 cloves and I don't recommend you try peeling all those by yourself. Mm -hmm. You can buy them peeled in the store already. And we do have a recipe for the tomato confit on the website. So we we'll, do. We'll link it in, in yes. the show notes. For the appetizer, I, I always like to pair cocktails rather than wine with an appetizer. So I was thinking, you know, a French 75 might be good if you want to stay in that theme. A Lille spritz, which is Lille Blanc mixed with a white wine, would also be a good option. Or even a champagne. 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 Mm -hmm. Or champagne. 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 Five years of French. That's what it got you. Yeah, I know. I know. You can't say anything, can you? I can talk in my like, native tongue. No, which is, I mean, you can't say anything in French. No, can I can't. You? I can't. So let's go on to the next part of this menu number one. Okay, so the first course after the appetizer in the French-inspired menu would be French onion soup because it is the ultimate make-ahead soup. Absolutely. This is a 100% make ahead, not a 100%. This is a 95% make ahead, all the way to the point where you actually put it in the crocs, mm -hmm. okay? Put it in on a baking tray, stick it in your fridge. Now, if you're gonna go do from that to the oven, you might wanna just take it out for an hour to let it warm up so mm -hmm. the crocs don't crack. If you don't wanna do that, put the whole pot of your delicious French onion soup 
in the fridge. Just heat up your oven, broiler, and all you have to do then at that point is put your bread, your baguette, and uh, and your cheese on, and you're good to go. That's it. Super and that's how quick. restaurants do it. That's why restaurants, whether you're at a fancy French restaurant or you're at the local uh, pub, they'll they all do a French onion soup because it's so easy to get it out to the customer. Mm-hmm. And the customer for you is your dinner party guest. That's right. So I did find that some good wine pairings for French onion soup specifically would be a Cote d'Uron, which I'm probably mispronouncing, um, which is typically made from a blend of grapes from that region of France, and or a Chardonnay. Yeah. I, I think a part of this will depend on how you made your French onion soup. If you go online, you will see about half and half done with white wine mm-hmm. or vermouth. And then the other half will be done with red wine. Mm-hmm. This isn't up yet. It probably won't be up when this when this episode airs, but I did French onion meatballs we filmed last week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's about four weeks away from being published. But I, me- I didn't want to do an exact duplicate of the French onion soup. So I used red wine mm-hmm. instead of the vermouth. I still used a little bit of brandy. Yeah. I made a couple other changes in it. Oh, I used chicken stock instead of beef stock. Those were so good. I actually think the soup in the French onion meatballs might've been better than the French onion soup. Yeah, that was really good. You'll have to be the judge when, you know, if when you try that one and if you've already tried our, mm-hmm. our French onion soup. Yeah, let us know. The main course for the French inspired menu would be none other than beef bourguignon or boeuf bourguignon. Again, an ultimate actually gets better dish mm-hmm. if you make it ahead. Mm-hmm. It does. It's so good. I also have that you can make it with roasted garlic mashed potatoes on the side or baguette. Now, the roasted garlic mashed potatoes will probably need to be pre- prepared shortly you can before reheat, they're made. You can reheat mashed potatoes. Like if you do it, you could do it early in that day. Yeah. Even, even I think even in the fridge, I think you just have to put a lot you more moisture back into it. You just have to add more it. moisture to it. That's yeah. right. So either you can add water or you can add some more milk yeah. or cream, whatever you want, as you rewarm it on the stove. I would not warm it again in the microwave. I would probably just do it on the it stove. It does work in the microwave, but you got to put plastic over it and every minute you got to take it out and mix it. Yeah, but you don't want to do that yeah. when your guests are over. I feel yeah. like it's better to just have it on the stove and- yeah. And add. The other alternative option I have for that, if you don't want to eat beef, is cocovan. But I have some some drink pairings for beef bourguignon, and that would be obviously a burgundy, which is made from 100% Pinot Noir grapes. That's right. From the burgundy region of France. So that is a true burgundy. But they can be very expensive if you want to save some money, you can pair your beef bourguignon with a Pinot Noir from a different region. The Willamette Valley in Oregon is a great region for growing Pinot Noir grapes, as is the Russian River Valley in California. Yeah, the Russian River Valley has extremely expensive wine wineries there. Yeah, but you can get some some good priced wine from that region. I mean, obviously, we don't know what is available to you at your local liquor store, I would say go in and if you want to find something from that specific region, you can just ask the the person that works there and they should be able to help you. Yeah. Number two, this is the Italian inspired menu and I have for our appetizers, 
Italian stuffed mushrooms, cannellini bean dip, roasted cherry tomato crostini with whipped ricotta, or mozzarella and carosa. Mozzarella and carosa is not really a make-ahead. That one's much better fried and eaten. You can fry them in advance. You can, and, and then warm them in the oven. And you can warm them in the oven, but they won't have the crispiness anymore. But they'll still be good. They'll still be good. They're basically cheese sandwiches. Mm-hmm. They're basically Italian grilled cheese. Uh, they have a batter similar to like a franchise batter and mozzarella in there. It's much better to make those with block mozzarella and not fresh mozzarella, even though looking at a recipe from Italy, it will use the fresh. It's hard to melt that. And it even when you do melt it, it will want to become a block in a matter of like 30 seconds. So it's just, and this is the same thing with pizza too. That's why fresh, you know, I know, not another tangent. The good thing about the appetizers is that making them ahead of time could be just making them before your guests arrived since it's yeah. the first thing that they're going to be eating. The other ones you mentioned and are all really good make ahead. Mm-hmm. So the cannellini bean dip, day before, it'll actually be better the next day because it'll the flavors will meld more. The lemon yeah. juice, the olive oil, the garlic, it'll be more potent. Mm-hmm. The crostini too, you can whip the regatta the day before, but you know you want to whip that again when your guests come. You'll probably have to drain it too if you do do it the day before. It's really simple to whip whip it. You could just use a, an electric hand mixer. And that's delicious. You know, the roasted cherry tomatoes can be made the day before too for that. And then the other one, stuffed mushrooms, these can be made completely. And then you could just leave them, cover them in the in the in the fridge in a baking dish, and then you could just take that out 30 minutes before and bake them. Mm-hmm. Stuffed mushrooms are truly a a great make ahead and a really good uh, appetizer for a dinner party. I agree. And the drink pairing that I would suggest is. Well, the first one I would say, which is the classic Italian aperitif, aperitivo, is the aperol spritz. Really easy to make. It's basically aperol, prosecco, and club soda. That's it. I mean, a lot of times people will just take aperol and just mix club soda into it. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So you can do that. Um, Some other options I have would be... Oh, a Negroni or an Americano. An Americano is kind of like a lighter version of a Negroni. Because- I like. I really like an Americano. Yeah. I think it's a. I think it's an excellent drink, and it's not that it's not popular. It's supposedly very popular in Italy. It's definitely not as popular here. I find. Mm-hmm. But I could be wrong on that. What do I know? I live in. I, I barely leave my house. I got moving blankets around me right now as I'm doing this <laughs> podcast. I'm like in a cave right here. You should see the other side of it, which I do show sometimes on Instagram. So that's what I came up with for a few options for Italian-inspired appetizers. Would you add anything to that? I'm trying to go down the list of everything that I know. A lot of the cold ones would be good. So you could do like a cold appetizer. Mm -hmm. So those would be perfect in there. So it's almost like that's kind of more like an antipasto. So you could do like your marinated mushrooms, mm-hmm. you know, your marinated artichokes, sun-dried tomatoes, good olives, cheese, mm-hmm. all that stuff. I mean, I know you did the cheese on the French one, but mm-hmm. you know, you do the same thing here with the yeah. with the Italian. Maybe some inspired. prosciutto and melon. Yes, too. That's absolutely. Always, that's always a good one. I, I wouldn't don't wrap it the day before. Mm-hmm. It'll be gross. You do have to do that one right before mm-hmm. your guests get there. Yeah, that's good stuff. That is good. Okay. 
For the Italian main course, I have the short rib ragu with pappardelle. The short rib ragu, the sauce itself, the ragu itself can be made the day before. And then right before you're going to serve it, you can boil your pappardelle and toss it, with yeah. the pasta, uh, toss it with the sauce. If you do this, make sure that you do remove the meat from the short ribs. Don't wait for the next day because you're going to give yourself a lot of work then. Mm -hmm. Then you'll have to reheat it. Then you'll have to break it down. Do it now, the day before. Break down the meat. Dispose of the bones. You can save the bones for a bone broth or whatever. But then just mix it back in there. You can leave this all in your fridge. And then the next day, a lot of the fat, like more, probably like a half an inch of fat, thick puck will be at the top and you can dispose of that also. That's really a nice way to degrease your sauce. I, I just want to go into this, the fat part for a second, because we get a ton of pushback on the channel about this. So ton. And I don't know where this is coming from, if it's a popular YouTuber or not, but Anytime I try to like defat anything at the end, they're like, fat is flavor. What are you doing? You just ruined it. This isn't 99% chefs or restaurants. This is 100%, okay? That means like all of them. They are definitely degreasing the sauce. The difference between a sauce like the ragu, short rib ragu, that is degreased properly and not degreased is kind of the difference of how you're going to feel after you eat it. Mm -hmm. If you don't remove part of that, you're going to ingest a half an inch thick of fat, wall of fat in the Dutch oven. How many calories is that? Who knows? It's a lot. It's also, it's not going to make you feel that that well. You still have plenty of fat in there. There's still all the meat in there and it's, you're not, you're never going to degrease the whole thing. And I don't say, I'm not telling you to degrease the whole entire thing, yeah. but it's a ton of comments about that, Tara. Yeah, you notice that? Well, they're saying that you're, you're removing all the flavor and it's, that's just I mean, You can watch Gordon Ramsay. You can watch Bobby Flay. You can watch um, Eric Ripper from uh, La Bernadon. I know I'm saying his name wrong. You can watch Jacques Pepin. They all will do this and they'll either use paper like I do, or they'll use a piece of bread, or they'll do the TikTok trick with the ice cubes in the ladle. They'll do something, but they will remove a lot of it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So as far as drink pairings, wine pairings for the short rib ragu, a super Tuscan Perfect. or a Brunello would be great. Perfect. Montepulciano also would be great. These are all Italian red wines I'm talking about. Any red Italian mm -hmm. red that you like. Yeah. Uh, if you you know, I my personal favorite is an Amarone, very expensive, but you can go cheaper with a, a Ripasso, mm -hmm. which is like yeah. way cheaper and still delicious. That comes from Val, Valpolicello grape. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and a, a Barolo would also be good, but Barolos are also pretty expensive. And that other wine that people pointed out too, um, starts with an N. Nebbi Nebbiolo. Nebbiolo. Mm -hmm. So that's another one too that people really like. Mm -hmm. That comes from the same region as Barolo. That's right. You have a lot of choices when you're in Italy, but you don't have to stay in Italy. You can have a Cabernet or, of or whatever you like. Of course. Yeah. You can certainly do that. After that, you finish with the salad. And I have just a simple mixed green salad with a shallot vinaigrette. And that is one that the recipe's on our website. That Salad is inspired by a restaurant in New York City called Via Carota. They have a salad with, I don't know, I think they have like six or seven different greens that they use. Our our version of it only has three, like butter, lettuce, yeah. frise, and something else. Um, 
that I can't remember right now. And that's a great way to close out a meal. I know a lot of Italians do serve their salad last. Well, Europeans, after their meal. Europeans, in, Europeans general. in general. So I wanted to ask you at Via Carota, do they? Did you get the salad last, or do they? Or they? Ameri- it's just Americanized no, it's salad Americanized, first. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny. Like in our family, in well, our you house, could order. You could probably order it last. No, of course you can. I, I, I was yeah. just saying, like, what, what did you see? In, in our house, we always. Well, I mean, Tara makes a salad almost every night. She puts it on the table, and often the kids will have it with the meal. I always eat it last. I do too. Always, and it's just it's better for a digestion. It's just it's it really. This is something that. The Europeans really- They got thought, it right. They got it right. I I mean, definitely. All right, moving on. Let's go to our American-inspired menu. America! <laughs> you can't say the rest. See if you get that reference. We don't have explicit uh, no, we're actually, language hey, here. you know what? As this podcast grows and people are looking for a podcast you can listen to with your kids in the car that they won't care about- but it won't be some. We're gonna try not to drop any f bombs. I, I, I try not to. I just I don't yeah. I don't want to do it, yeah. and I don't do it on the channel either. People thought that I cursed that time when with the anchovy. I know you said I. They, they thought you said I can't even f and see it, but you didn't even say that. I, I think you said I can't even find it. Yeah, I was looking for something. The anchovy. I, yeah, and I combined. <laughs> I combined. No, it was like a minute apart. I, I had know. to combine a Everybody's minute like, apart. Everybody's like nice f bomb. Yeah. Like it was that. Why would he? Like, why he would you think I would do that? Why would he use an f bomb to describe an anchovy? Like. Yeah. Okay, so for the American-inspired appetizers, I picked two. I picked spinach artichoke dip and homemade shrimp cocktail with homemade cocktail sauce. America right there. <laughs> that is America. That So when you think of spinach artichoke dip, what <laughs> establishment do you think of, Tara? Houston's? Oh come on! You're, you're showing you, you, you're showing that you go that you live if, in a nice part of the country and you what used establishment to, should I be thinking? You're thinking of? You got to think of TGI Fridays or Applebee's. I don't think I ever had spinach artichoke dip from Fridays. Houston's was only a place that was in the city, you know, so nobody's going to know that. I think I think Fridays. Don't they? Doesn't I like Fridays sell their own spinach dip in the store? You know, I honestly don't know. Really. Maybe if I'm dating myself a little bit here, maybe Bennigan's. So I'll tell you, when I was a little girl, my parents took me to Friday's and I ordered a Shirley Temple and I think they spiked it because I got so sick from it. So I don't really, I don't really go to Friday's. Yeah. I mean, I, listen, Friday's isn't exactly high, high end dining. You know, it's Friday's is what's called casual um, there's a word for it. I know they make like good drinks, like they make mudslides and orange creamsicles and those things. Fridays is in the same category as Olive Garden, yeah, Carabas, Macaroni Grill. They're like chains that mm-hmm. are they're around the country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even think that they had spinach artichoke oh, dip. They most definitely do. Okay, because I did frequent Fridays a, a fair amount. I also used to frequent Ahua Hands every day. Not every day. <laughs> that wasn't that bad. But I would a couple days a week after uh, in the city when I first started working in the city. That was on Broad Street. Then they then they like demoed it. There used to be Hands in Farmingdale when I was little, and we still love going there. I think Hands is completely gone now. I don't even think they exist anymore. Yeah, I don't know. And shrimp cocktail. So what do you think of that? Shrimp cocktail, another American institution, That's like a steakhouse, steakhouse institution type of thing. I definitely associate shrimp cocktail with a steakhouse. Uh, steakhouses have some awesome shrimp cocktail. They uh, cook them perfectly. 
So make, just till they're done. Yeah, make your own. Don't buy the one in the ring that's waterlogged. Oh, the ring is the ring is horrible. It's not. It's just not that good. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if you're eating it, it's like all right. Yeah, this isn't bad. But like, if you're gonna have a dinner party, I would say make make your, your own. own. It's so easy It'll be to make. So much better. It'll yeah. taste like it. It's from a raw bar. You make a stock, you know, like we have a recipe for it. You don't have to. You can just do it in water, boil them in water too. You just want to cook them just until they're like all not even done and then just shock them in the ice and then ice water and then just drain them really well, pat them dry and then serve them in a tower of ice mm -hmm. like hanging over with a really good cocktail sauce. I like lots of horseradish, horseradish and Tabasco. Mm -hmm. I don't know who's going to win here. What is the best one? I think we got to do a little vote at the end. Well, let us know, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, we want to hear, we from, hear you. from you. So the drink options that I have for the American appetizers, I have martinis, right? Oh, yeah. America, Frank Sinatra. You can have a martini. You can also offer a Sauvignon Blanc. Then again, if you're a, a martini aficionado, you don't like what Frank Sinatra did to martinis. He was vodka. He was. Oh, a, did he, he? He was not a gin martini. Oh, I didn't know that. Drinker. Well, you can make a vodka martini if you want, but and it's I not a real martini. And then. a real martini actually is that's Britain, right? Isn't that more British? They have I, all the gins. You know what? I don't know. It probably is. Yeah. I don't. I'm suggesting it here because I think it would go well with the spinach artichoke dip yeah. and the trim cocktail, as would a Sauvignon Blanc, New Zealand has probably some of the best Sauvignon Blancs. Definitely. Right? Yep. Okay. That's what I cook with most of the time. Is mm -hmm. so, for, for a dry white wine, it's always Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah. All right. For the first course, American-inspired, I have roasted butternut squash soup with creme fraiche. Okay. I... You know, I, I, listen, I this is a recipe that I created. It's on our site. I don't... No, if it's my favorite now, I do like it. Now, if you saw the Patreon episode, now I know some some of you are not, you know, not members of the Patreon. Uh, the butternut squash soup is there, and James gave it a four. <laughs> now I didn't put it on there because it was a four, and I couldn't put it on the YouTube channel. It's just I, that one was going on there. We also have a couple more soups that are going to go on the Patreon. So again, no more plugging of the Patreon, but you should subscribe. You really should. What would you suggest as an alternative? Because I think the butternut squash soup is delicious. It is better when it's made ahead. And for this time of year, it's the fall slash winter. I think it's a great soup to serve to dinner guests. And yeah. you serve it with, with some creme fraiche. And what, what would you suggest that's better? No, as a I first, mean, obviously, I'm not going to say have chili, which is like a meal into itself, you know? That right, you can't. We can't do a chili there. That's that's ridiculous. That's yeah. absurd. Uh, what other soup would you suggest? I had the mushroom I just did. That was nice. Um, I got to think of yeah. If I'm thinking of just like an American soup, it's a little tough. What about the broccoli cheddar soup? Broccoli cheddar. That's pretty good too. Mm -hmm. That's really good. Yeah, that is good. I had as a wine pairing for a butternut squash soup. I had either a dry riesling, a pinot gris. Or a Chardonnay. Those are all great. Yeah, perfect. Mm -hmm. Tara, channeling the sommelier. Well, yeah. I mean, if I really was, then 
I would be a little bit be able to be a little bit more specific here with regions and stuff. Main course, the ultimate American main course. And I don't even know if it is American. I'm steak. assuming it is. Pot roast. Oh, pot roast. Okay. Yeah. No, I always hear like Yankee, pot, Yankee yeah. pot roast. Isn't that? Yeah. No, you can't do steak because steak would be too much. There would be too much of a nerve wracking for. Yeah. Steak yeah. I wouldn't no, do no, for no. a dinner party. I would I would do a steak for a one-on-one. Like if you want to impress someone yeah. on a fancy date and cook for them, yeah. then no. I would do the steak. Yeah. Pot roast is a great call. I, I'm trying to think of some of the other beef recipes we've done recently, if anything is Better than that. I like it because you have the meat, you have the carrots and the potatoes. It's kind of yeah. all like an all-in-one type of dish. Yeah, pot roast is a great dish. Uh, and it can be made ahead. It, it should it, be made ahead. It, it's, it's Yeah, it's great made ahead. It's uh, it's easy. You know, um, we've had a few people that said they had problems with it. Like one person said, like, I used an extra large Dutch oven and the, the chuck wouldn't fit. And that comment wasn't really helpful to me because I'm like, well, what is an extra large oven? I made it in the video. I used an eight quart Dutch oven and it uh, fit with all the potatoes and carrots mm-hmm. and still had plenty of room to spare. If you do run into a situation where, you know, don't panic, you can just cut the roast in half. Then you can fit it in your Dutch oven. So uh, I'm assuming that woman thought she had a large one and it was probably a 5.5 quart that she had. It might have been. Which I've been telling you, if you know, a, a lot. That should not be your go-to Dutch oven. The, all the manufacturers try to make it that way, but you're going to be ha- seriously handicapped with something that size. You kind of have to go up to about that eight quart range. Yeah. I said you could do a 6.5. Mm-hmm. And everybody, you know, this is also, it's done in quarts. That's 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 how you say it. You you know an eight quart Dutch oven you you know you might be like Jim that's two gallons but nobody would ever say I have a two gallon Dutch oven that would be yeah absurd yeah it's just uh it's just the way you 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 don't refer to it that way wine pairing for the pot roast I have a California or Washington State Cabernet or one of my favorites an Australian Shiraz very good I the honestly the Shiraz would be Excellent to make with the pot roast, to use as the wine for mm-hmm. the pot roast. Yep. I like a good Shiraz, especially if you take Shiraz and you like reduce it. Yeah, Shiraz is very juicy. I, I feel that, um, well, what's another one that's you're, really juicy? I know what you're thinking Zinfandel. of. It's Zinfandel. Zinfandel is sweeter. Okay. Whereas a Cabernet and- They're a little drier. A, a Syrah or Shiraz. Shiraz is from Australia. Syrah is- yeah, what it's called in, in other regions. Um, those are a little bit drier, but a Zinfandel is on the sweeter side. So a Zinfandel would be great if you prefer your wine to be a little bit sweeter. Yeah. And when I say Zinfandel, I do not mean white Zinfandel, which is what Aunt Betty buys <laughs> boxes of at the supermarket. I'm talking about red Zinfandel, okay? Which the a great bottle uh, brand that we would always buy when we were younger was uh was it Sugesio or Sugesio? Sugesio. Sugesio. It was back then it was about an $18 bottle. It's probably like 25 now. Just juicy is the right word to describe it. It was really good with steak. Yeah. I remember that being a really good option for steak. Yeah. yeah. It's unfortunate. You go to restaurants, you like you want to order that bottle, they'll be like, that'll be $70. And you're like, oh, I you know, I have I got five of them at my house and they're $18 each. Yeah. But you're paying for, you know, you're paying for the restaurant. 
So those were our menus. I do have two possible dessert recipes that you could use that are both make ahead. I mean, most desserts are in fact make ahead. Yeah. I have tiramisu, which is a great one. Everybody usually loves it, but yeah. it's definitely a make ahead. It's you, a lot of work though. It is. Yeah. But if you if you're planning for for your dinner party, you can you make it the day before or two days before. And I also have a lemon blueberry ricotta cake. Also, that one's much easier than the tiramisu, but also make ahead. And I think both would go well with an espresso martini to close out the evening. Not bad. Not bad at all. You can also just go to the bakery and buy some pastries. Yeah, or you can, if your guests ask what they can bring, just say, bring whatever dessert you'd like, and then... They bring the desserts and you just serve your coffee, tea, espresso, espresso martini. Yeah, that's the best gift you can bring always for something like this. Go to the best Italian bakery that's near you and just get good pastries. Mm -hmm. That's the best you can do. Or if you don't have an Italian bakery, go to the best bakery and- the bakery we actually by have, us. Yeah, we have a we have a non-Italian bakery, which is very odd in Long Island. Mm -hmm. It's a, almost ninety, I'd say ninety-eight percent of the bakeries are Italian bakeries. Uh, Sicilian, you know, everything they they have all the Sicilian stuff, and you rarely will see like any of the northern Italian desserts. But this one by us is. I would consider it more of like an English bakery because they have a lot of different scones. They don't have any Italian pastries. They have a lot of tarts, a lot of fruit tarts. Yeah. They're good. They are. And they're- Apple well, they, turnovers You know they what? Have. They do have Italian cookies. Okay. But they don't have cannoli or the Sulyadel or any of the real Italian pastries. Yeah. But they are very good. They have the best chocolate chip cookies I've ever had. That place is called Rolling Pin. Those are some of the menus that I think I would I would do if I was going to have a dinner party and hopefully Jan, that was a very long way of answering your your email question. Yeah, I thought but, it was I thought that was great. I mean, a lot of times if you if that that gave us a whole episode here, mm -hmm. which I think ultimately we're trying to be useful to you. That's what we are trying to do here. And we love the feedback. I'm trying to think here. The Oh, and the last thing, Tara, which is your favorite of these three? Which is, what do you think is the one you would go with? So I'm definitely biased towards the French option because the beef bourguignon is one of my favorite. It's always been a favorite dish of mine for the past 20 years or so um, since the first time I've had it. But it's definitely my favorite thing that you make. Second place would probably be the Italian, and then third place would be the American. Although I do love the pot roast, so I think I really think you can't go wrong with with any of these menus. Yeah, I kind of agree with Tara's order here, but it's close. Maybe I would mix and match a couple. I think you'll be, I think you'll be pretty set with any of these three. And I think your guests are going to love it. Leave your questions at podcast at sipandfeast.com. We will see you next week.